1: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the
0: pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Great conversation today. I love talking with CEOs. I get a lot of insight and a lot of validation around the leadership concepts we talk about here on Dose of Leadership. And today we have a great CEO, Greg Knowles. He's the founder, president, and CEO of ATI Electrical Supply. He began his career doing internships with electrical distributors. Meanwhile, he was getting his degree in industrial distribution from Texas A&M, and he graduated there in 1990. And after he graduated, he went to work for two manufacturers where he focused on increasing his product knowledge and basically the overall understanding of how manufacturers go to market through distribution, and then he got a job as a commissioned salesperson, then worked his way in executive management with two different electrical distributors for 10 years. And then he just, typical entrepreneurial story, got frustrated with kind of the leadership style, the management style he was surrounded with. And he said, you know what, with all this experience, I feel like I could do a better job on my own. And he took the leap. And I love those stories too, where someone actually has the courage to take the leap, to try it on their own, and he's been doing that since 2004. And we have a really great conversation here. Again, it hits all the high points that we've talked about on this show for eight years, and th- that's why it's so fun to talk with actual leaders who are out there making it happen in their own businesses. And some of the things we talk about here are, are confidence, internal confidence with yourself, confidence in the people that you surround yourself with and the people that you hire. We talk about hiring the right people, how he does that, which I think is critical for everybody to know. I mean, how do you find the right people and what are some of the tactics and techniques he uses to hire the right people? Obviously, adversity and tenacity comes up in almost every single one of these conversations. And and we certainly talk about that here, how you just can't give up. We talk about composure, how to stay composed, Uh, Even when things aren't going well and things are very stressful, you know, he calls himself a paranoid optimist. And I love that kind of phrase because it's like walking that fine line, particularly when things are stressful, right, of being the realist and being, uh, living in that faith world as well. So it's it's having one foot in the reality side and one foot in the faith side, knowing as a leader, you're going to get things done or we're going to see this through. I don't know how it's going to end up positive, but I just know in my heart, it's going to have a positive outcome. I think that's what leaders do. Great leaders do that. Talks about intuition, gut feel, uh, decentralized decision-making, and personal reflection, partic- particularly taking care of yourself, slowing down meditation, all those kind of things, taking care of yourself. Those are the things we talk about in this conversation. Again, you, you probably don't even know who Greg Knowles is, but I really love these conversations. We're talking to another CEO who's Just one of those people behind the scenes, making it happen, making a difference, making the place better than they found it. And it was just a, a fantastic conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy it. This show is brought to you by Equity Bank, my sponsor for this episode. I've been, Equity Bank's been with me for over two years now, and it's an honor to have them as a sponsor on some of these episodes. I love Equity Bank because it's a team that knows what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been exciting to watch them grow here in the Midwest into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're listed on the NASDAQ exchange. They got locations all across Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, and they're expanding. And clearly this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. So if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be an entrepreneur, check out Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend, family member about this show. And let's join our conversation with Greg Knowles, the CEO of ATI Electrical Supply, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Greg, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank
1: you. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, I always love talking with CEOs. I haven't talked with one for a while. And I'm curious about ATI Electrical Supply. Can you just give me a, a quick synopsis of of what the company does
1: sure uh so we um have a few different revenue streams and a few different markets that we're involved with um in las vegas nevada which is where we kind of got our start uh we primarily deal with the switchgear market there um we get involved with large commercial construction projects um for example the t-mobile arena if anybody's been to Las Vegas yeah. um, over the last few years, they know that they know the arena. So we did all the incoming switchgear for that. Um, we do um, the, the we did the incoming power for um, the Las Vegas Convention Center. Uh, we're we're currently working on the expansion for that, although it's it's on hold right now. But um, eventually they'll release that. And probably the most exciting project we have in the switchgear arena is um, the. Garden sphere oh wow. in Las Vegas um, yeah if you guys have uh, if anybody's ever seen uh, pictures of that it, it's it's pretty phenomenal um, how, how does so one we're, get, we're how, working on that how
0: does one get started in that I mean I'm, I'm always amazed by the type of businesses that are out there that I don't even know exist I mean how does one get started in being the provider of that
1: sure so um, I started my career with uh, Schneider Electric, which was back then called Square D, and um, they're they're the switchgear manufacturer that we now represent in Las Vegas. So that was my that was my upbringing. Um, we became a Square D distributor in uh, Las Vegas in 2008, and so um, with my knowledge of that business, uh, I I just went after those types of projects and um, started hiring people that had expertise in those projects and then uh, we just got a reputation for being really good at bidding and managing them and so the contractors in town uh, like working with us because we um, have that kind of expertise and so as these projects come up um, we bid them and um, because of our knowledge of of the products we're able to see things on the specifications that um, give us a competitive advantage, and so we um, we use that to to get the lowest number possible. And and thankfully we were
0: successful on those.
1: So it's a it's a whole process, um, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, it's years a, in the making.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say it's a specialization that I, w- I wouldn't even think of even existed because I just, like you said, I don't have the knowledge yeah. for it. And so I just I always find it fascinating. So how did that lead? How did that, what was kind of the mindset or the process to where you said, you know what, I'm going to start this business in 2004. Like what, what led to that?
1: Mm-hmm. So I was a sales person for several electrical distributors. Um, well, I guess going back, I was a salesperson for Schneider Electric and then Eaton um, and then I went over to the distribution side and was doing sales for them. And then I worked my way up to management, to where I was a sales manager. And then I became vice president of sales for an uh, electrical distributor. Um, and then I, you know, I guess it was, um, interestingly, I had some some people that I worked with that that I didn't think were very good leaders. <laughs> and I was a little bit frustrated with uh, with, with how I was treated, you know, and thought, you know, Hey, I could start a company and, uh, and do this better. And I had several people that were my employees that came to me and said, if you start your own company, we'll come work for you. Wow. And so, so I decided to take the leap and thought, you know, it's, it's kind of now or never, if I'm going to do this, I might as well, might as well go. So I, I, convinced them to work for straight commission um, because at the time I didn't have any money to pay them as far as, you know, salaries. And so they came on board for some, uh, pretty generous commissions and, uh, just started growing from there.
0: I love that. What, uh, were you entrepreneurial before that, or was this kind of an awakening to your kind of untapped entrepreneurial? The, you know,
1: uh, I grew up the son of an accountant, Right. so I was anything but entrepreneurial, uh-huh. um, Because, you know, accountants um, are typically pretty conservative. So I I grew up, you know, not taking a lot of risks. But as I started um, increasing my knowledge in in the industry and and became more confident in my abilities, um, I decided that if I was half as successful a salesperson owning my own company as I was working for somebody else, then I could I, I would be just fine um, because I, I think I'd be able to manage my expenses better and um and and just you know build a business uh, around the you know the revenue streams I knew I could bring in and so I, I felt confident enough that the business plan was was going to be successful and so I just took the lead.
0: I love that I love that that a major catalyst was you saw. You, kind of from from an employee standpoint, frustration on how not to do things, and for some reason you saw in yourself the like I could do this better. I love how that's a catalyst. I'm curious as you kind of took the leap, and before the parachute even opened, uh, any dealings or feelings of doubt, limiting beliefs that kind of said What am I doing? I'm crazy. Any kind of those moments mm-hmm. as you as you made the leap.
1: Yeah, I think I have those every day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they—I <laughs> um, mean, of course, you know. At the time, I had a, a four-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. Wow. Um, and a wa- and a wife that looked at me is like, "What are you doing to us?" <laughs> and I said, "Trust me, honey. It'll all be fine." <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure many, many husbands have told their wives over the years. Yeah. But. Um, yeah but i you know i just had a lot of confidence in myself yeah, um, yeah. i had, i had confidence that i could recruit good people i had confidence that we would treat them right and that they would they would work hard um and that you know i knew enough about the industry that i i firmly believed that i could i could do it better
0: i love the um well, and i've said this before in the show many times that i think that kind of defines when leaders, that leaders, they don't know how it's going to get done. They just know it's going to get done. That kind of internal confidence that's, that, that has a faith factor to it, right? Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just know I'm going to do that. And I'm a firm believer in that and that that you need to trust that feeling to take that leap because the resistance or the fear and the uncertainty is going to try to stop you. But However, you can kind of and I don't know the secret sauce to how you harness that. Yeah, but you know you must harness that kind of belief that you don't know how it's going to get done, you just know it's going to get done. What do you think about when you hear me say that?
1: I just, you know, every day you you get up and you first of all you have to be excited about what you're doing right. and you have to really like it. Um you have to enjoy the work and enjoy the people you're working with. Um so that's motivation there. But you, you also just have to know, you know, in your mind, you have to believe that whatever problem comes up, if I think about it correctly and I and I, um, you know, use good data, and you know, and I don't put too much emotion into it, that you know, I can solve that problem, and and I can make things, you know, work. Yeah, there's a lot of adversity. I mean, right now we're in a tremendous amount of adversity, sure. and you know, every things are changing, but we you know, I, I just look at it and I say, okay, so this is the cards that I'm dealt. So how am I going to play them to to make sure the company still does well through this? And, and you know, it is kind of like poker that way, you know, mm-hmm. from Vegas. So poker's a good analogy. You know, you're sometimes you're dealt a seven and a two off suit and you have to think, okay, how do I play this to where, you know, I can still win? And so it's it's you know, it's difficult to, you know, every day is a new challenge, but you just got to believe that you can, if you make good decisions that you're going to have good outcomes.
0: Yeah. there's a tremendous amount of, there's intentionality behind, you know, that to me, that's staying composed in every situation. And, and as a professional aviator, that's something that's a trait that mm. we practice all the time. I mean, it's to the point that becomes second nature. And that's kind of what I'm hearing. It's like, Whatever you're dealt with, whatever the situation is at the time, it's, it's just being fully present with what's happening and looking things almost stoically is like it is what it is. And, I, and you said something there about taking the emotion out of it. I certainly try to do that when I'm flying or faced with an unforeseen situation or circumstance. You just – you deal with that present moment. It is what it is and how can I best play this hand to get the most beneficial outcome. I, mean, I think that is the definition of staying composed and combined with tenacity, right? It's just this never, never quit, never giving yeah. up.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You you can never give up, and even if sometimes you you want to, yeah, um, you certainly don't let your employees know that. Yes, <laughs> that you're that you're doubting everything and you're thinking, okay, things are things are not going to get better. I don't think I've ever had the thought that things aren't going to get better. I mean, I, being an eternal optimist is is a very Um, um, good trait for a leader and an entrepreneur too. I mean, you, but I I call it paranoid optimism. (laughs) You're optimistic, but you're always watching for what could possibly bring you down. You know, you, you can't just be a complete optimist and ignore um, some of the things that, that could harm the company, but, but you, but you always have to have that optimistic viewpoint and, and believe firmly that, you know, Things are going to get better. I mean, I, you. I don't think you'll ever see a, a entrepreneur and a leader that has a ten year plan where it, it goes negative over the years. <laughs> right. It's always a straight it's up That's right.
0: Well, and it's so necessary <laughs> so, too. I like yeah. what you said. I mean, it, the, what comes to mind? I remember I was reading. Something the other day, and I was talking about you know the the kind of famous yin and yang symbol. You know the black and white kind of intertwined circle. You know what I'm talking about the yin, the yin and the yang, right? Where they kind of intersect, yep. and that where that middle line uh-huh. is. The middle line is kind of the that's that's the line that you always want to be uh, walking on, and right. you always want to be walking on it because with there there's cuz the yin and the yang is one is this internal optimist one is the internal pessimist and you're walking that line in the middle it's like that's the line that you you were talking about there it's like i am riding the line here of this kind of chaotic situation with one foot planted in reality and one foot planted in this kind of eternal optimist or kind of crazy vision yeah. and i think you know you, mm-hmm. that's the that's the only way to live and and too often we're getting one one side or the other paranoid optimism is a good way to put yeah. it you know i mean it's it's yeah. it's smart risk you know that's the other way I've, I've heard it kind of turned to that like you can't avoid there are people that try to do everything they can't avoid all kinds of risk possible and make perfect decisions and we know that that's not a reality so we live in a world of smart risk where at some point i'm gonna to have to pull the trigger with partial information like you cannot right. make the perfect decision right
1: yeah we just invested quite a bit of money in a in a new machine and uh you know I I looked at it a thousand different ways and you know eventually I decided okay well we just got to go for this and and you know you have a fallback plan it's like okay if it doesn't work I can I can sell the machine but you have to believe you know in the data that it's that it's going to be the right decision even though you know in the back of your mind you're thinking wow is now the time to spend this kind of money you know but you you, if you're stagnant though, and you don't make those decisions, you know, I think number one, you you miss opportunity, and I mm-hmm. think number two, your people start to think that you don't really believe that, mm, that's a good that point. you know things are going to get better. So it's there's a there's a lot of different factors, some emotional, some some you know analytical, but um, but yeah, you 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 just have to you have to sometimes just go for it and. And have that confidence that you're going to be able to make it work. I that always, doesn't mean you're just you're you're reckless. No, but sooner or later you you've got a Fisher Cup date. You know.
0: Yeah, I like how you you kind of painted that picture, and I'm sitting there thinking about you know how we make big decisions, and you know, and I always struggle at the big life decisions. You know, buy, buying a house, career changes, all those kind of things, and I fret over them. And I guess we always do the kind of analytical. Uh, and now the analysis of the data as you said the pros and cons of this decision but the more i think about it even when i i made whenever i finally pulled the trigger at some point it was my intuitive feel that that actually pulled the trigger if that makes sense now i'm not discounting the 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 data or the analysis right. the analytical side i think the analytical side helps you get to that point but at some point it really is just kind of your gut feel to to finally pull that trigger right you were probably fretting and going over the note. Should I yeah. buy this? Should I, should I invest it? What? And, You know, doing data. But mm-hmm. at some point, you just said, "All right, I'm going to do it." You know, that's the intuitive okay. side. So
1: there's a there's a book. I think it's called Blink by Malcolm oh, Gladwell. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that I read one time, and it, it talks about that. It's like when you look at something, your your gut feel that you have, you know, right off the bat, it's is pretty accurate. usually mm-hmm. correct. Right, and then you you can analyze things, but then you usually come back to what does your gut feel tell you? And it's hard to get in tune with that sometimes. I mean, you you there's a lot of noise, and you're thinking, was that my gut feel, or was that <laughs> you know something that I read on the news, or you know? But you, yeah, you especially after you're you know, doing this for a while, you know, yeah. you've been in the business, if, you know, for 25 years, you know, your your gut feel is is made up of all these past experiences that you've had. And so, especially when it comes to hiring people, geez, I mean, gut feel is so important with that. You, 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 you know, you talk to somebody and then you just immediately, you know, if there's a red flag, we've started doing that in the company where we'll have a team interview people and we'll, and we'll all talk and we'll say, okay, first impressions go you know and i love that and if anybody's like you know i'm not sure then it's like okay they're out like we we don't discount that it's like the we immediately any red flags you know they don't get through the door and so it's it's been very good for us lately i mean we've made some excellent hires and so um that's that's been key
0: i think that's a great approach i love that kind of you know, incorporating the intuitive feel and going back to—I think Gladwell talks about that in Blink. I, I'm kind of paraphrasing the example, but I think he gave—and I don't quote me on the numbers of the study—but they took two groups of individuals and two separate you know, groups of ten, and they then they showed this one group of ten uh, a picture of this individual for five seconds, or or a was it like a 30 second clip or just a picture? I can't remember. And then they took the second group and they actually sat in front of the actual people and got to talk with them for like 20 minutes each. And then, so one group just had a split second impression of this individual. And then the other group, had a face-to-face interaction that was for a lengthy period of time. Then they compared the results of what did you think about this person? And they almost were identical, which I thought was kind of amazing. Cause it, yeah. cause, cause it goes against the, yeah. the old axiom, don't judge a book yeah. by its cover, which is, you know, that that's kind of the, right. the thing you got to be careful about, but. Right. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting.
1: Well, I think, I, I just think it comes from, um, you, you know, it just comes from your experience and your, you know human beings are built to adapt right so yeah. you you go through all these these different experiences and that and that forms your ability to um to judge things you know mm-hmm. based on on what you see and what you hear and you know so when you're when you're talking to somebody you know all these things i don't think it's really even conscious but it comes to you and you're thinking okay you know in a split second you know i had this experience and all these and then all those add up to, you know, I really like this person. And I think they're going to be a good fit or, you know, somehow I don't trust them. I don't know why, but I just don't, I just don't trust, you know, I don't think they would fit in. And then, you know, it's rare that those are wrong. In fact, I don't think they're ever wrong. We, we go back and do an autopsy our know, <laughs> bad hiring decisions, you know, and we think, okay, what went wrong? You know, and then, and then we, it always comes down to, Someone saw a red flag right away. <laughs> right, and we just right. It.
0: Well, that's. You know, I love that. We, love...
1: we decided we were going to discount that red flag, and, and and that was that was a mistake.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's I, that's happened to me so many times. Right, where he's like, God, if I just would have listened to that intuitive. With that, I, I'm a firm believer that, like you said, and and being a, a pilot and an aviator, we are taught to trust that initial intuition or that gut feel. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, have been running checklists or doing something, and, and we've been taxiing or may, and maybe been a little rushed or whatever things coming happening. And someone will say, Hey, something doesn't seem right. Are we missing something? And we stop. And nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. if somebody feels mm-hmm. that there's, we're missing something, right? We catch it. And so right. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, because somehow, like Gladwell says in that book, this just that years of evolution has taught us. It's more powerful than we think, you know, and, and we should listen yeah. to it more.
1: Yeah, Well, it's a survival instinct that's right. built into mm-hmm. us,
0: and, and um, it's better for a reason that so yeah. we,
1: should, we should listen to it.
0: Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of this special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago, and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series On leadership and entrepreneurship, brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. I always thought one of my mentors had a great philosophy for hiring new people, and kind of the same thing that you did—kind of the the group, um, kind of interview process. And the last—and if they made it through that one, um, the last step is that he would take them for a round of golf to this country club here in town, exclusive country Mm. club, and he would have it, uh, prearranged with the wait staff that they would Mm. screw up his order, the guy that, you know, the person that they're interviewing and, and then would watch their reaction to, to the kind of bad customer service or the, the order being jacked up or whatever. And then he would take exactly. them then he would yeah. take him for the round of golf and then see you know he always thought that was a big did they character complain
1: about it, or yeah.
0: yeah, and then how they played the game too, like did they you know not really count all the strokes <laughs> you know what I mean he's a hand
1: wedge every now and then yeah and, uh, right yeah. No, true. yeah, that's a trust thing right if you're gonna if you're gonna cheat in golf, then you're probably gonna cheat other places, right.
0: But- yeah. Yeah. So I don't
1: know. He, golf is so frustrating. I don't know that I'd use that one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm not good enough at golf, to, so. <laughs> yeah. but he, the, no, it's he true swore that. by it though. He was yeah. like, you know, I, I would, I would, I could really see a, who a true person was after that afternoon, spending it with them yeah. with the lunch and then with the golf. Well, a,
1: character certainly matters. And, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in, in our organization, you know, we, we have a, one of our core, core values is, you know, always do the right thing, you know, no matter how much it hurts. Yeah. And, and we, you know, someone will get, you know, in more trouble if they ask me if it's the right thing to do, than you know, than just doing it. Cause if I was like, if you're asking me if this is the right thing to do, that means you're questioning you know, mm-hmm. you know what the right thing to do is we've talked about it. So why, why are you asking me? You know, yeah. you should just do it like, oh, well, the vendor shipped us 11 things and we only ordered 10, but they only billed us for 10. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. What should we do? It's like, oh, come on. You know what to do. You're going to call the vendor. You're going to tell them you shipped one extra and you're going to give them a purchase order for it or you're going to send it back. I mean, there's no question about that. So the the character part of it is huge. I think that's one of the biggest things you know in business is that you, you know you you need to surround yourself with people that you know have great character and that you yeah. can trust
0: well i appreciate how you i i i try to do that myself when i've been in leadership roles and when i've i cherished those leaders that did exactly what you just said where i had a little bit of doubt and i didn't know and then so i would i would go approach you know him and say what am I supposed to do and instead of them kind of answering it for me they threw it back at me and said what do you think what's the right thing to do right and I love you know taking the time to do that is huge and I think that nine times I don't know what your experience is but nine times out of ten when you approach it that way that person that individual if they're worth anything is going to take that and run with it the next time right you're only going to build that kind of that trust and freedom aspect that is so needed in business. I think, you know, it kind of leads to that decentralization yeah. of, of creating a culture where it's more, right. I'm asking for forgiveness instead of permission. And I think that's the sweet spot in myself. I don't, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah.
1: They, well, first of all, it gives them, they, they know that the company practices what it preaches, which makes them feel good about who they work for. Absolutely. And the second thing is it is empowering because they know that, know i know the right thing to do it's easy to know what the right thing to do is and i know what it is and i'm going to do it and if i do the right thing i'm never going to get in trouble for it because i was just empowered to do the right thing at all times and so it's it's empowering it's it's freeing for them and it, it gives them you know pride in who they're working for too because i you know that's you know, sometimes I wonder, it's like, why, why do people come to work every day? You know, you, you just, especially in times like this, you just thinking, gosh, you know, people could, some people could, could go on unemployment and make more than they can make working, you know, yeah. but they, but they come in every day and they work and they do this. And, and I always want to give them, you know, make sure that they know that, that what they're doing matters and that, you know, the company appreciates them and that they, um, you that you know they're working for a company that has their back, and that you know that that we do need them, and you know things like that. So it's it's um you know by empowering employees, it, it, it gives them it gives them confidence, and it gives them um, a sense of pride in what they do, and I think that's very motivating for people.
0: Absolutely, I mean I, I think. You know, asking, answering the question of, like, why are they coming or when they can make that? I mean, it just proves to the point. I think, again, people that are worth the salt, or at least the people I would want on my team, I mean, money isn't the only thing. I, th- I think more people are motivated by the fact that they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And it doesn't matter what the product, then it doesn't matter what the product is, right? And if you create that environment right. where people, you said it right there, like people just want to, you want to make sure people know that they matter. And that's, that is an inherent need that we all have that, that, that we know if I know that I'm put, put on this planet for something and I know that I'm here and that I matter. I mean, that makes life worth living, really. And I, I think we, yeah, yes. You know. And
1: you think you know? A long time ago, when I was an intern at an electrical distributor, I had one of the um, best bosses I've ever had. His name's Mike Blanchard, um, and he he said to the group, "He goes, you know, it's important that we all treat each other with respect and that we all um, work together and 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 know that you matter because we spend more time at work than yeah. we do at home. Yeah, you know, waking hours anyway.
0: You For know, sure. I mean,
1: you're work. You're at work eight or nine hours." you you go home at five, you're in bed by 10, you know, 10 or 11. I mean, that's five hours at home and nine hours at work. I know. So, so you, so it's, it's very, very important because people spend the majority of their waking hours in life working and that's got to count for something. You know, they, it it has to matter because uh, uh, in the end, if, if what you did for all those years didn't account to anything, I mean, that's a depressing thought. Yeah. So well, you—you, know, you, you, I think it's super important that everybody knows that. Yeah. Well,
0: it sounds like—I mean—I think that's part of the, the benefit of you starting the business on the on the path that you did, and you coming up and being that employee and seeing that it gives you that kind of—I don't know the perspective. You know what it's like to be them. That emotional quotient piece, that empathetic piece, that is so critical, I think, to being a great leader and a great CEO. Uh, a lot of times, I, you know. People had that in their mind from the time they were in graduate school. It's like, I'm going to be a CEO someday. But you kind of went at a, at, a, at a more natural, organic path and said, you know, I can do this better. I want to make the place better than I found it. I can do this better than these guys that I worked for before. I think that puts you in an advantageous position as a leader. And I'm hearing it from you. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm hearing all of that from you, that you you have a very mm-hmm. strong EQ or emotional quotient aspect to your leadership which i think is needed so needed and, and so lacking in so many aspects okay. of business so I, I just sense that from you i mean wh- how does that make you feel when i say that
1: well um it, it makes me feel really good because i i'm um, you know it's it's genuine you know and it's it's something that you know it, it's genuine but it's but it is something that you have to work at. Yeah. Um, sure, sure. You, know, you, you mentioned EQ is, is, is something that you have to be cognizant of every day. You know, you have to know, um, you know, how, how your words affect people, you know, especially yeah. when you're the owner or the boss or the, you know, the leader, you know, you have to know how your words affect people. And that's, you know, that's, I've learned, I've learned lessons in that, you know, over the years where I've said things to people and then, Somebody else has said, you know, that wasn't that wasn't, you know, very um, sympathetic of you to say <laughs> say that. And, and then I go back and I think, you know, what you're right. That was not the right thing to say. And then I call them up and I apologize and say, hey, I didn't mean to, you know, to, to make you feel that way, you know. But it's but it's something I've certainly strived for um, because you know people, you know, in the end, you know, every, you know, people are emotional beings and we all want to know like we discussed we all want to know that we um, that we matter that we're doing what we're doing is makes a difference and you know at the end of all of this if the people that worked for the company you know leave thinking wow I had, a, I had a great time there and I made the difference in people's lives and you know and I, I really helped create opportunities for other people and I and I you know built people up then I mean that's that's about the best reward I could
0: have. I agree, and I think I uh, I wish more leaders would would look at it that way. I think that's everything you just kind of summed up there is kind of the charge of reason, reason why I started this show is to kind of highlight that aspect of leadership. But what's embedded in your answer there is just a tremendous amount of, and, a, and a, this is the point I want people to to hear and understand is the the importance of the intentionality behind all of that and that we're all capable of being better leaders i think we we put too much emphasis on the kind of larger than life charismatic genius aspect of leadership and i think that's a myth i think you can you can actually be yeah, yeah i think you can actually be a fairly mediocre flawed individual like we all are for the most part and be mm-hmm. a pretty effective mm-hmm. a pretty effective leader as long as you embrace what you talked about this this kind of humble teachable spirit where you're constantly trying to never come across as i'd have all the answers but at, you know coupled with this kind of intensity of will this optimism and and coupled with this humble teachable spirit i think it's an unstoppable force and i think that's a much better leader than than kind of the cartoonish, charismatic genius that, that we seem to think we want, but I don't think we really need that. I don't know. I just don't think we need that.
1: No, I I agree. And I've read, I've read a lot of books, a lot of different books on leadership. And, um, you know, you look at some of the companies, I think Ford was one of them and, and there's several others, but where the, the leader kind of made it all about themselves. Um, and, and you can, companies can survive and even grow, um with a leader like that for a time. But what happens is eventually that leader either leaves or, or yep. you know, somehow it's not there anymore and then the company just kind of implodes. Because right. people weren't really empowered to make good decisions and they weren't they weren't empowered to you know and they they didn't treat the company like it was their own. They were doing things because of this you know, they were following this one guy or one girl. And then when, once, you know, she's gone, then then they have no reason to, to, you know, work hard or do anything anymore. And that's, that's tragic, yeah. you know, and that's, that is, that is not what I want, you know, for the company. You know, I, I would love it to where if I was not here, that the company would keep going and keep growing um, just like, as if I was here, Yes, that, that would be, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, And I try every day to build a company that is like that, that that is scalable yeah, and and that would keep going, you know, you know, whether I was here or not now, you know, I think it's really important with that said for the, for the leader to provide, provide vision, you know, for the company and to, and to be there with the employees. Um, But I think that's different than doing things, you know, just because the leader said so versus doing things because you believe in the vision.
0: Absolutely. No, I mean, you're singing my song. I mean, I think everything you said there is so spot on about at least the type of leadership that I I, I think most people are hungry for. I think there's type of leadership that's needed in all aspects of life, both personal and professional. And um, I know personally in both business and in, in my personal life, when I've done what you've said, I mean, I, that's where I've seen – the significance of life come to come to fruition, you know, and I, I agree with you. Nothing would be greater is like if long after you're gone, the company still sustains itself. Not only sustains itself, it grows. That would be the ultimate compliment, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't that would be huge?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I know businesses. Um, some friends of mine that run businesses that are that way. Yes. you know, where they've been through a couple different generations of leaders. And there's, and they just keep going strong. Mm -hmm. And when I look at that, I just have the utmost respect. I'm like, that's a company that has developed leaders within the organization that believe in the vision that, that, um, you know, know what to do without being told and they, and they just carry on. And I think that's incredible. I mean, that's, if you can build an organization like that then you're truly successful i agree with
0: you. 100% i agree it begs the question too of like what as, as you get in the, those roles particularly ceo um i know i've incorporated in my training and my thinking and even my coaching and i've morphed into this over the last 10 years but i do think one of the primary roles when you get to that level that you're at and assuming that you've done the work and you're and you're still Doing the work of self-awareness and self-analysis and constant improvement, and that never that never stops until you assume room temperature every day. Every day, right? But, but that's the humble teach, teachable spirit I'm talking about. But but as formed as um, tactical application on a day-to-day basis, I do think that communication of you said vision, and I'll even say you know the purpose of where we're going and why we're going this way has to be and i use the word maniacal i i think that is a maniacal aspect of your business that never stops and i and i think in what i've seen a lot of mm-hmm. ceos do they don't understand the importance of that and i think there's i think that is mission critical number 1 is that maniacal communication yeah. of where we're taking this this organization what are your thoughts
1: yeah it is and um, it, it's complicated because, you know, the environment changes Sure. and so you can lay out a vision for people and then, and then, you know, something happens and then, you know, we get a pandemic and then you're like, okay, what's our vision now? <laughs> right. So you, so you, you know, so you, you, but you always have to have a vision and you always have to explain why you've changed. If, if the vision is different, then you explain, okay, the reason why we're doing this is because of this. And, and things like that. So they know that it's just not on a whim, that you put some purposeful thought into it and that you, and you communicate it to them. And so then they're like, okay, well, that makes sense to me. Yes. You know, and then, and then you know, so, um, but yes, you have to be super passionate about the vision and, and you need to communicate why you have the vision and you have to also communicate that it's achievable you know, you could say, "Oh, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be bigger than Apple in three years," and people are going to be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, sure." <laughs> right. And they're not going to buy into that right. because they know that you know they may think you're you're insane or that you're just making stuff up. But if you have a vision that is achievable and you explain how to get there, um, and then you're and then you're just passionate about it and you reinforce it with decisions every day yeah. that you make, um, then people people believe it. They buy into it. They work hard towards it. And then you celebrate your successes when you're there. Yeah. You know, um, we, we try to have a meeting every year, um, either in Florida or in Las Vegas, or we were going to do uh, Bend, Oregon this year and do like a hiking out trip, but, um, COVID changed those plans. Yeah. But we try to do that every year and just celebrate it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about, um, you know, our BHAGs for the coming year and things like that. But a lot of it is just everybody getting together and having a good time yeah. and just celebrating it and having fun and supporting each other and, you know, and just and just being a family, you know. And that's, you know, that's it's important to do that because, like, you know, when you get those victories, I think you do need to celebrate them. Absolutely. I think, I think that kind of it, it makes it fun. But um, but yeah, as far as being maniacal about the vision, I mean, that's that's, you know, that's, that's key and it's motivating for the employees. Absolutely. Because they, you know, they they see your passion and, and and that's infectious to them.
0: I'm curious about your your personal habits. What are you doing for what do you do personally to kind of maintain that edge and, and keep sharpening that stone as a as a human being? What do you do?
1: That's an interesting question. So um, over the years I've been an
0: avid reader of business
1: books. Like, I, I read just, I just read business books all the time. <clears throat> but over the last year, I've decided that I'm going to start um, reading more fiction, going out and, and spending more time um, hiking and paddleboarding and surfing and things like that. And then using that time to um, let what I already know uh, lead lead me to make decision. Oh, I like Cause I, I, found that, you know, and, you know, and I, I, I highly recommend for new leaders, you know, that have been in the business, you know, less than 20 years or so, um, to really, really study a lot. But then, you know, I've just personally found that after that time, I think it's very beneficial to let your mind rest and, and let it solve problems that you've already taught it to solve. Yeah. And so I, I've been doing a lot of that lately, and it's actually really been helpful because I I do trust my instincts and I do trust you know my experiences, and so now I need to I need to just um, I've just been been relaxing. I've I've been you know doing yoga partly for the relaxing of my mind, but but a lot of it is because um, I like tennis a lot, and my body's been breaking down. Yeah, so <laughs> because it's the old been, age. Yeah, it's I been it. super super helpful. <laughs> with that. But, um, you know, it it helps me do what I want to do. Um, but it's just a good time to just relax and and let your mind clear and just kind of use it, you know, for, for good thinking time, you know, and just, and just let your mind solve problems for you. You know, I read something recently that said, you know, during the middle of the day, it's, it's a good idea to take like a 15 minute walk Mm -hmm. to where you don't think about anything. You don't take your phone. You just go for a walk for 15 minutes and then during that downtime, your mind works on the problems and when you get back to your office, you know, you you have a fresh look at everything and and you're able to solve things that, you know, were, were, you know, giving you a lot of trouble before and so I I try to practice that as well.
0: I love that. I love that and that resonates with me as I think back. I've been a voracious reader my whole life too and, and. I would say over the last three, four years, as I've entered my fifties, I get great, um, enjoyment out of, like you said, marinating on what I've already, I I really already know. Does that, if that makes sense? And just taking that time to let it soak and, and taking the time to, you know, cause you're right. Cause some of those, particularly when you, when you, when you cut off, like you get rid of the device and you just, like you said, walking, you're doing something and you're just kind of in that present moment. It is kind of deafening and how, how noisy your brain is, you know, and you're right. Taking that time to kind of be present yeah. in the moment really gives you that opportunity to kind of soak it in. I like what you said there. I agree with you. I think that is critical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's It's been really helpful for me and it's a, you know that that change has only taken place like in the last year with me. Yeah. To so where I think I was, I just finished reading a business book. I'm like, you know, I think at this point I need to, I need to like, you know, start start letting my mind relax a little bit and yeah. not trying to cram so much into it. You yeah. know, but, <laughs> so you know, yeah. After a while, you and, and all those books are super helpful, and and I got a lot out of all of them. But but when you start kind of reading, you know, you keep putting the same information in your head you know eventually you just need to you just need to um, let your mind do what it knows how to do and and you know solve the problems you taught it to solve
0: absolutely well i tell you greg this has been a really fun conversation how can people learn more about you and the ati electrical supply i mean how can people reach you Uh,
1: so i'm you know i'm on linkedin of course um we you know reach out and connect to me, uh, through LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm on that, you know, fairly often. I don't post that much, but, um, but I do respond to messages on there quite a bit. Um, the company's website, atielectrical.com has, um, all the information about us and the products. Uh, we have some blogs on there. Um, I've written, I've written a few of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's mainly the, the, the best way to get in touch with right them. on.
0: I'll have links to that on the post. I got to tell you, Greg, that, you know, tremendous value today, and it's, that's why I love doing this show. I get to meet guys like you and and talk about things we're passionate about, and, and uh, I certainly uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I hope to stay in touch. Thanks for coming on the show. Great, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me, sir. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse. Tell your kids. Tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce. To facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together, and until the meantime, make it a great one.